This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Welcome to my slimy basement. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I recently finished watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I recently finished watching Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. We watched both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we went. And now we're watching Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life, as well as reading the Buffy Season 8 comics. That's right. Last week we discussed the first episode of Year in the Life, Winter. But this week, we're diving right into the Buffy comics, starting with season eight. Now, we mentioned this at the end of last week, if you skip that. We initially sort of alluded to the fact that we'd be pairing like a whole season of the Buffy comics with a season, like a literal season of Gilmore Girls, Winter, Spring, Summer, Fall. But they're kind of longer than I thought. They're like 40 issues each, which seemed tackleable, but there's a lot more to discuss than I think we realized. So we're actually just going to be breaking up season eight of the Buffy comics into four chunks and talking about that in comparison with A Year in the Life. Which I think is a good, it's not just laziness or like too much work. I feel like story-wise it makes sense to do this because there's a lot going on in season eight of Buffy and I feel like it's a disservice to just be like, and this is sort of what happened during the season. And if you guys like it and if we like it, we'll continue to do more little podcasts about the rest of the Buffy comics or maybe we'll do it on YouTube. If it's good, we'd like to talk about all of it. It just seemed like a lot to cram into one episode about the length of a year in the life discussion. Right. We'll see. We haven't talked about it yet. Maybe this will only take us 10 minutes. But this week, we watched slash read the first 11 issues of the Buffy season eight comics. How are we feeling, Brian? I am weirdly impressed. I came to this thinking it was going to be maybe a cash grab in a sense. Or Joss just like making the story continue, even though we had wrapped it up with the show. But I feel like the tone of the show is still in the comics. Oh, yeah, for sure. He wrote like the first four or five and and a bunch throughout. There's like a chunk of these he didn't write. But yeah, the voice of the characters is there. Not the literal voices, because none of the actors have done the voice work and most of it's quite bad. Yeah, that's something we will say. The voice work for the motion comic is hit or miss. There's some that are pretty good, and then there's some that's like, what was that line reading? Did you Have you never seen Buffy before or seen this script before? There's a line from Warren. I was just like, wow, Alexis Bledel would have gasped at that line reading. <laughs> she delivered one bad line, Brian. I know. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. I, I enjoyed myself. I personally started reading the comics. I was a little ahead of you. You read one, I think. Yeah, I read like seven or eight of them when we were like, let's just watch it since the first ones are available to watch. Let's just watch those. Yes. So I I read and watched some of them. You did, too. But I saw a few more. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would recommend watching it. I think that might be the best way to dip your toe in. Yes, totally. Especially if you're not used to comic books like like I'm not. I think the comic books look good. Again, I don't know that much about comic books, but I like the way they're illustrated. And actually, I want to point this out. If you decide to watch the motion comic, and I suggest you do it, do note that the comics actually do have better artwork. I noticed that when I went back. I was like, oh, actually, this looks really good. Yeah, it's the same artwork. It's just kind of zoomed in on in places and creatively edited. Yeah. The motion comic is available to buy on Amazon for like $25 for the first half of season eight. 
but they're like 10 minutes each so it's several hours of content probably like four or five hours and it's well done again some of the voice acting wasn't great but most of it's decent i feel like the woman that does Willow's voice is uh, maybe not a woman, but she's a small years child. Old. Yeah. <laughs> the first time you hear Willow talk, you're like, did a child just walk into the room? The woman that does Faith, though, is like very close. Yeah, I agree. But like Buffy's really not, which is a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Or Dawn or Xander. The guy that does Xander's voice gets the cadence right, I feel like. But same with like Giles. Like it doesn't sound like Giles, but I think he's like performing it right. Where Yeah, the, the woman playing Buffy is just like, that's not how Buffy flows. Yeah. But the dialogue is Joss dialogue, meaning it's very witty. It's very funny. Yeah, a lot of references. You said that in a sense, it's kind of like a distilled version of Buffy and that like because it's shorter, they like put more Buffyisms in. Yeah. There's just some pages where like every line is like a let's make relationship the thingy. <laughs> yeah. It's so like silly speak. You know how they're like never totally. using correct grammar or like adjectives where they don't need to be. But also, I will say that they are able to do a lot more with the comics because they're not bound by what they're able to film. So there's some pretty, like, epic things that happen. I'm like, oh, yeah, you could never have done that on a show, at least believably. Yeah, it's definitely, like, a larger scale as far as, like, the action that's happening. Oh, for sure. And it's very much more magical. In one of the issues, they run into, like, a big, giant demon. And I remember thinking, like, well, I can't imagine them trying to put this on screen. Like, I saw what they did. The show routinely struggled to put on a demon snake over and over again. (laughs) They put a very shitty-looking demon snake on the screen. This guy would never have made it. Yeah. But other than that, I enjoy a lot of, like, the themes and the things they're exploring. Yes, totally. Some things, in fact, feel like... Maybe you should have thought about that a little more in season seven, Joss. Like, we'll get into it. But there's something in particular. I'm like, yeah. why didn't we make that connection? That would have, like, strengthened so much. Yeah. But we'll get into well, it. Well, let's get into it. These are our initial thoughts. Good writing. Funny stuff. I like where the story's going because it's picking up right where it left off. It's about a year and a half afterwards. I'm a little confused about the timeline. Because, yeah, I read it's like a year later. But... Dawn is, like, supposed to be in college, and I think she was only, like, a sophomore in high school, so. Well, maybe we had false memories of Dawn. She's actually older. (laughs) Maybe. I just don't know if she'd be in college yet, but maybe I'm confused. All right, so the first four episodes are all sort of one story called The Long Way Home. Should we just, like, set the scene, what's happening? The season eight comics start with letting us know what's happened, essentially, or where we're at. But it starts in the middle of the action. It starts with Buffy... Jumping out of a helicopter <laughs> with a bunch of other slayers attacking what looks like dragon, lizard, gargoyle things. Yeah, so she says that there's about 2,000 slayers in existence after, you know, Willow used the essence. And about 500 of them are, like, fighting with Buffy in different parts of the world. Yeah. There's, like, different, what do they call them, squads, I think? Right. There's also duplicates of Buffy. She's got, like, two doubles. We don't hear about them yet, but we will. Also, Xander's her watcher, sort of? He's like her reluctant watcher. She keeps calling him her watcher, and he keeps saying, stop calling me that. But really, he sort of is just, like, managing this operation, kind of? Like, he works in, like, a control room where they've got girls on computers. They've got, like, girls doing magic in the corner if someone needs that. And he's got, like, an earpiece 
I mean, he's Nick Furying it, and not subtly. Like he yeah, would he straight say up that. says that because yeah. of his missing eye. But he's sort of like running Shield. But Shield is all of the Buffy Slayers. Yeah, he's funny. He's written very funny. Yeah, I really like the comic book version of Xander a lot. I feel like they really Joss is really able to showcase Xander off more in the comics, especially since they've shooken up the relationships and split characters off, and they've given him. A lot of opportunities to be really funny, I feel like. Yeah, and he, he always was sort of like a voice of reason to Buffy or one to point out like when she was making a weird decision or something. Or Yeah. And he still kind of does that. Like He's like Dawn's champion. We'll get into Dawn, but... Um, We're not the first ones who have. <laughs> <laughs> so Buffy and Xander and Dawn are all stationed in Scotland. We don't know where Willow is yet. I think Giles is in Russia. They also casually mention that Andrew is stationed with some girls in Italy. We'll get into that. At the end of this first opening scene, this fight Buffy's doing, she discovers a symbol on someone's chest. It's sort of like a, I don't know, like a horizon with like a little star, sunset, hill. I don't know. Yeah. We have, a, I feel like, a cool scene that really just seems like Buffy, the show, but like if Buffy was in the initiative, it seems, you know what I mean? Yeah, they got money. Yeah, and they fight these, like, dragon creatures, and it's fun, and, yeah, they fight the body with a twilight symbol on it, which we don't know what that means yet, but it's gonna mean more. We also see that somebody's watching this, some floating feet, more on that later, but then we cut to the military, and there's some military dude who's super pissed that Buffy exists and wants to take him down. He sees her as, like, some sort of threat because she's a charismatic leader who's got a lot of strength that wants to reshape the world so he's like we gotta take her out and she leads an army of like impervious people (laughs) yeah and so he has set up some sort of like exploration committee within the crater that is the hellmouth sunnydale yes yeah they're investigating down there and they find something real spooky what is it we'll see soon then we find out what's going on with dawn yeah Xander's like, you really got to go visit Dawn, Buffy. You're kind of ignoring her. And she's like, yeah, but whenever I see her, she just whines and complains about her problems. I was like, what else is new? (laughs) But surprise, Dawn's just a freaking giant now? Yeah, like fee-fi-fo-fum giant. Like, if she were to sit down, I think her head would probably touch the ceiling of like a high school gymnasium. For sure. Or, like, I think if she were to sit, she could comfortably fit in a high school gymnasium. But if she were to stand, she would go through the ceiling, I think. Yeah, she's a giant, and she maybe became a giant because she slept with some guy who is what they refer to as a thrice-wise. Which is not something that exists outside of Buffy lore, I don't think. Right. But they all act like everybody knows what this is. But we could tell from the issue that Dawn and Buffy are, like, not cool like there's some coldness between them they're not like actively like hating each other but there's some distance and it maybe stems from the fact that dawn won't really tell buffy what happened and why she's a giant but everybody knows because there's only so many ways you become a giant yeah so back to the thing in the crater they're all just like surprised how gross this thing is they're like how did it survive down there and then we find out that it was with this other creature that might help them get buffy i think is where they leave it but Its demand is a lot of cheese. And then the big reveal of the end of the first episode is that it's Amy. They found her, maybe, and this mysterious thing at the bottom of the Sunnydale crater. Yeah. And she's all like, I'm ready to help you guys kill Buffy. 
Uh, and they keep referring to her. Whatever's in the other room is her boyfriend. They keep calling her boyfriend. Yes. The next episode, we kind of dive a little bit more into the other groups of Slayers. Giles is in Russia, kind of like auditioning Slayers. I don't know. He's like watching a bunch of girls train. I mean, I think he's just running that squad over there. Andrew also has a group of Slayers in southern Italy. And we just see them on like a camping trip where he's monologuing about Lando Calrissian's outfit. And how that kind of set the tone for ruining Star Wars as a franchise. <laughs> it was kind of funny. He's like, oh, this guy's going to do something cool after his magic show stunt. Yeah. It's funny as a child. I never thought that was weird. But probably because those clothes to me seemed like, oh, that's not clothes anyone would wear. So it's space clothes. But maybe it was of the time. The girls are like, what? <laughs> it was really funny because they didn't say, like, cut to Andrew. They just cut to this guy and he starts talking. And it, the graphic almost didn't really look like him that much. Some people look closer than others. I wonder if they don't have the rights to some of their faces because some of them don't look like them at all. Like, I don't think, like, Andrew really looks like him. No. And Don kind of doesn't. Buffy kind of doesn't. Xander, you can tell because of the eye. But right. I would say, like, Giles, Willow, and Faith kind of do. Yes. Maybe even... Faith doesn't, but the dark hair distinguishes her. But yeah, you could just tell it was Andrew by how it was written, though. Yeah, totally. It was great. He also reminds the girls that Slayers don't use guns. Bobby's very against that. And there's a girl who's like, uh, guns sound like a good idea, though. She's got a mohawk. You can tell she's going to be trouble later. And she is. Meanwhile, Xander's just watching Dawn take a bath in the woods. Yeah, what is this scene? So Dawn's taking a bath and, like, confiding in Xander the way it's set up, it looks like he's not looking at her. But, like, does he need to be there at all? I think in a different shot, he is, though. At least in the animated one, there was, like, another clip that came up where he was facing her more. I'd have to look at the actual comic. It's hard to say. I don't think so. I think he's actually looking away from her. Oh, that's interesting. I think in the animated one, they flipped it. So it looked like he was facing her. She wasn't in the shot on the screen at the same time. But they flipped it to make it look like he's looking at her. But also, though, why does he even need to be her bathroom pal? Like, yeah, let know. her take a bath without you, buddy. It's a little weird. Because, like, all that's covering her is, like, the splash of the water. She's not, like, covered by the water. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's she's naked for all intents and purposes. And, and very visible because she's very large. For reference, Xander's about as big as her feet in this image. Yeah. Throughout the comics, he sort of, like, confides in her. I think it's just to give her someone to talk to, to give us exposition, but it's almost a little creepy. I mean, they've always had sort of a relationship. Yeah. He suggests that she maybe have gotten giant on purpose for attention, which she does not like. She splashes him. He's basically trying to patch things up with her and Buffy, because they're not good, as always. The comic starts, like you said, it kind of switches between locations, and we also see Buffy training a bunch of girls. And she, like, has three of them try to fight her, and she kicks their asses. I thought that was kind of cool. But then yeah. she also was like, you're a hairstyle. I really like it. You should uh, talk to me after this, which I liked. Yeah. We also see a conversation between a couple military guys. This one big main dude goes back to his own little room, and we find out that he's got the symbol on his chest. Right. So he's up to no good. That's why he's so adamant about this, about killing Buffy. Buffy checks in with Xander. I think he tells her about Dawn, how he suspects maybe she got gianted on purpose. But then at some point, this becomes a dream. Right. I don't know if all of this was. Like, Buffy wouldn't have known about this information unless Xander told her. So maybe he told her earlier and this is her dream process. I mean, this that. is Joss's fucking dream right here. I'll yeah. tell you right now. But it's nighttime and Buffy's like, so you coming to bed? As if they've gone to bed before. 
And Xander's like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And she just starts kissing him. Well, she says, this time I'll be more gentle. Yeah. (laughs) And she kisses his head off. His head falls off. And then she gets, like, sucked out the window and, like, eaten by a dragon or something. Yeah. Dragon just starts, like, crucifying her and burning her alive. It gets pretty intense pretty quickly. We find out this is all a dream. And meanwhile, she's under some sort of dream spell. And Amy is there and tries to kill her. But... It doesn't work because Willow and the other witches have put a protection spell on Buffy while she sleeps, so someone can't just come in and do that to her. Xander shows up in his jammies with a bunch of slayers to save her. And then Amy just, like, explains the spell and how to break it for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, she's just like, yeah, the only way to wake her up is if someone who loves her kisses her. And it's like, cool, well, thanks for letting us know how to break this spell. I'm sure, like, anybody here could do this. What is this, charmed? Why are we doing fairy tale shit? To be fair, and you pointed this out, that was the deal with her hex in season seven, Mm -hmm. where she turned Willow into Warren. And there is some stuff later that suggests there might be a reason she gave them the answer to this. But in the moment, it seemed like, what? Okay, thanks for the heads up on that. Any other weaknesses you got? (laughs) Meanwhile, zombies are coming. I don't really remember how they resolve the zombies ultimately, but they do. Like the slayers that are with them are like dealing with zombies while Amy and Xander just like talk for a while. Yeah, a bunch of zombies come. They're not dying. The Slayers are fighting them, but, like, not making any headway. And Amy's all like, there's nobody strong enough here to defeat me. And then Willow's like, you know what? You might have heard this before, but I'd like to test that theory. Yeah, she said, a friend of mine once said. And you don't know who's saying it yet, actually. You just see, like, I, you see Amy's eyes, I think, like, reacting. But then, like, the last panel of this issue is you see that it's Willow saying, I'd like to test that theory. Quoting Giles about her. Very cool. They don't continue to do this but the first like four or five issues all end with like a reveal about an old character (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was like they're gonna run out of characters (laughs) totally but they do it again in the next one the next issue buffy is you know just in dreamland we find out this is her dream space she's told that by her guide ethan rain who's just in her dream space for some reason the dream space is explained as like You're always dreaming, sort of, or like your subconscious is just like potential dreams. Like you dream, you dream all of them. They're all happening, all these possibilities. But like whatever dream you actually remember in the morning, is just like the one that your brain chooses to remember, right? That's what I gathered, yes. So he shows her one of her potential dreams, which they kind of gloss over a little bit in the animated one, actually. But I almost want to post it. The image is just so bonkers and graphic. <laughs> Not graphic, but it's... Someone had fun drawing it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's Buffy in, like, a sexy nurse outfit, which I guess is her fantasy to dress up like a nurse for sexy time, chained between Angel and Spike, who are naked. You don't see it. They're junk, but it's down there. And then there's just, like, little cherub boys, like, watching them. You haven't had this dream? That is, like, a common dream. Probably. I just haven't remembered this one. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I guess it makes sense. Why is she chained between them? I mean, she was into some stuff. Why is she a nurse? That is the only thing that's like, well, I mean, maybe she, yeah, I don't know why she's in a nurse outfit, but. Why are your little angel babies watching? <laughs> also, Spike looks sad. I mean, that's not new. She's like, don't pay attention to that. That's nothing. I just, uh, miss sex. That's all. She does basically say that. She said she missed sex earlier. Yeah. Meanwhile, Willow and Amy are having like a real life fight until Xander like six dawn on them. 
he says something about fee fi and then Don says fucking fum, <laughs> like stomps out Amy. Yeah, Amy even says something like, because Amy's like, I've been becoming more and more powerful and like, I know your like magic, like it's going to take a lot to surprise me or something. And then Don just shows up and slaps her as a giant. It's pretty funny. Doesn't Kicks she her. steps on her? Yeah. yeah. I don't know how she doesn't die, but. Well, later we set up that Dawn does have strength, but not super strength. I don't know that it actually makes sense, but she, uh, yeah, it, I don't know how that doesn't kill her either. Well, everything's fine now. Willow and Xander are in the room with Buffy, and Willow's like, someone's going to kiss her. I know no one wants to admit who's in love with her, so we're all just going to close our eyes. Whoever's the most in love with her is going to kiss her. What if they all were in love with her? <laughs> yeah, like, just, what if you just, like, walk in and you're like, oh, I def- like, three of us just walked into each other's foreheads. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Buffy wakes up screaming cinnamon rolls, which I didn't even catch this upon my first, like, read-through. I well, remember she's also saying like, that, but I didn't get it. I think she's like, oh, that must have been a dream or something. But we yeah. know someone kissed her, so someone in this room loves her. And it's like maybe suggested that it's Xander or Willow. Yeah, there's like a suggestion that it's Willow because Buffy's like, who kissed me? And then Willow changes the subject. But like, yeah. it's because there's like a monster showing up or something. It's not just like she. I was actually excited to see how the actor portrayed it just in case it was supposed to be Willow. Like if they yeah. intentionally were like, oh, uh, well, look over there. But. I don't know that the voice actors would have had the direction or intelligence to play that way, (laughs) but that's not how they played it. But this is all part of Amy's plan for some reason. Xander calls Andrew to check in. Andrew's like, nope, there's nothing going on here. You'd be bored stiff. And we see that he's just like playing cards with a bunch of the girls in their underwear. (laughs) Yeah. So... Andrew's gay. It's so funny because, yeah, like they're showing these women in underwear. He's bored. But in the motion comic, <laughs> they show like the boobs jiggle a little bit. Yeah, they like zoom in on this one girl and like make her boobs move. <laughs> this is one I had read before. I was like, oh, they did not move when I was reading earlier. It seems like Willow's maybe got some stories she's not telling us yet. Like everyone's like, where have you been? What are you up to? And she's like, oh, we'll get to that later. Yeah, what's where's Kennedy? You never bring Kennedy around anymore. And then well, it was like, hey, let's interrogate Amy. But this is all a trap. This is all Amy's plan. She starts to interrogate Amy with magic, but then yeah. somehow she's got her like held captive through magic. Amy is able to like reverse the spell or the people she's working with, which is the military that found her in the Hellmouth. They suck her through a portal. And now Willow is captured by the military people. There's also a joke somewhere in here where like Xander walks in and Buffy and Willow are talking about stuff and he's like hoping it's sex and they like joke about how he hasn't had any action lately. There's a funny joke where he's like, yeah, my parents would say the kind of action I'm getting would make my other eye go blind or something right. like that. I don't know why his parents know how much he's masturbating, but. Well, I'm sure they do. He talks about sex a lot. Does he live with his parents again though? <laughs> I like the idea. He clocks out every day, flies back home. <laughs> I guess that's a thing parents would say though. Oh, there was also another funny Xander joke. He's maybe like fallen in love with one of the Slayers. They don't dive too much into that in what we've read, but it seems like there's some flirtation with one of the Slayers. And yeah. I think she gets hurt in the zombie fight and he's like giving her a pep talk saying like, oh, back in my day, which was like a month ago, we used to, you know, clean off our boots, get back at it, blah, blah, blah. But he he specifically mentions one of the steps of their process was gaining weight, <laughs> sort of like a reference to his character, I think. Yeah, the actor, you mean, or what? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why else he would have said that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess so. Willow gets sucked through this portal. Buffy tries to go after her, but the portal closes. And on the other side of the portal, we see Willow meeting somebody strange. Who is it? It's Warren. But uh, 
Warren's got no skin. No, he's just how we left him. So this is the boyfriend of Amy's that everyone's been like shuddering when they see. He's just there, ready for Willow, Hellraiser style, no skin, looking gross. And he looks like he's going to do some uh, surgery. So we're on the last part of this arc. Warren's pissed at Willow for, you know, skinning him alive. He's mad that she's still helping Buffy, who he also doesn't like. He's doing all kinds of nasty stuff to her eye. It's kind of gross. Well, let's be clear. We have to find out how he's alive first. Yeah. He's all like, yeah, Amy has been like following you around and like monitoring you since season six. He doesn't call it season six, but we know what he's talking about. Yeah. And apparently Amy was also watching Warren because of her connection to Willow. And she somehow remotely, or maybe she was in the bushes nearby, saw when Willow got his flesh torn off and like put some kind of spell on him to prevent him from dying or going into shock. Like gave him like a magical skin that you can't see. She could have given him one we could see. Why not? Yeah, (laughs) please. She likes men that she can see the muscles. But it's like weird. It's like some weird backstory stuff that's a little, I don't know, what? Yeah, I like that these two are here getting revenge on Willow, especially since Amy's not dead. But yeah, it did feel a little bit like, okay, Amy was like in the bushes with binoculars while this was happening. I guess the other Scoobies were. Well, you could argue that she was remotely viewing it with magic somehow like that. And it's fine. And I'm over this little plot hiccup because Warren is super creepy in this. (laughs) Like he's sitting there just like muscle, sinew, grossness. Saying some pretty good lines like, I got a question for you, Willow, while he puts a knife up to her eye. And he's like, are you bored now? I was like, that's a great line. The actor's bad, though. There was. Oh, yeah. He said like. So there's a part where he's like, that time we came up with a spell in season seven. He doesn't say the season seven part. Yeah, him and Amy were both apparently responsible for that spell where Willow turned into him. He was part of that, too, which makes sense. But he says that time, like, that time. And it was like, whoa, what? Just that's not where the emphasis goes. And he sounds nothing like Warren. The cadence is wrong. But I do want to say that I, like, kind of like them together as villains. I feel Mm -hmm. like it sort of works. Yeah. And it's, like, legit kind of scary when he's, like, hovering over her with a knife to her eye. Yeah, and then he's got, like, pride open. They later say that he's lobotomizing her. Because, like, Willow during this is also having, like, a mental journey with, like, some witchy women. I don't know. They just, there's, like, a blue ball of energy woman. There's, like, four different people she's talking to, like, in her brain. Yeah, some, like, elemental spirit things or something come to her and they're like, hey, we're just, like, not making you experience your pain right now, so you don't have to be there for this. We can't prevent you from dying, but, like, we're here for you right now. And they say, like, you're being lobotomized. You seem rather calm. She's like, yeah, I got this friend, Buffy. I'm not too worried about it. Buffy brings with her to save Willow her, the girl who kissed her. We find that out after she brings her. It's the same girl that she complimented her hair a couple issues ago. Satsu, I think is her name? Yes. She's like her number one pupil slayer. And she borrows her chapstick, which is cinnamon. And she's like, uh, you kissed me. <laughs> no, she doesn't say that. But as soon as she says it's cinnamon, we can tell, oh shit, this is the girl that kissed Buffy. I don't remember how Buffy like gets to where Willow is. Somehow they use like technology to do it, I think. Or they like figure out where they are. She gets sucked there? I don't know. Somehow she ends up where Willow is, which is the basement of Sunnydale. Well, I think that the other mystics are able to make it happen. The basement of Sunnydale, what? Yeah, they have her like wherever they recovered Amy and Morin, don't they? Yeah, but it's they like show it a few times. It's like a, it's a like cycling a, plant or yeah, something. It, it's like way underground, though, in some place that was like around Sunnydale. Yeah. Sort of an initiative type underground bunker thing. 
Xander and the other Slayers of Witches were able to make a portal. They sent Buffy and Satsu through. But Buffy has this moment where she's talking to Satsu and she's like, don't kill the guys if they're humans, unless they maybe try to kill you. And there's some moments about, like, would you kill humans? And Buffy's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't think Buffy doesn't want to, but I feel like if it came down to one or the other, she would. Which is maybe an evolution of Buffy. I don't know. Yeah, that seems to be something they're dealing with in the comics in general. Like, if she needs to, would she? Buffy and Satsu fight their way through all these humans. I don't think they killed them, but they hurt them pretty bad. They are able to beat Amy with a grenade and, like, also remembering something from her nightmares. Amy's got some issues with her mother, if you might remember. And they save Willow, and Willow's just fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with Willow. And I'm kind of confused by what happened exactly. I think maybe Willow just instantly healed herself. I don't know. Yeah. Or this was all, like, kind of happening right as he was digging into her eye, and it wasn't that big of a deal. Her eyes look fine. In the, I'm very confused, quite honestly. It's, I almost wonder if there was like a panel missing or something. Because she's just totally fine. Even though she was just being told she was being lobotomized. As they go in, though, Amy grabs Warren and like jumps through a portal. So they get out of there. So Amy and Warren will probably be back again. Oh, for sure. I, I like them together. I feel like they were like a cool little evil duo. And he looks so cool. And I don't mean cool like if I saw him on the street, I'd be like, nice. Because <laughs> I'd be like, oh, you're going to die, man. <laughs> to be fair, we didn't really see them interact with each other. No. But I like really. that they're together. It's kind of a fun thing. And he looks creepy. And Buffy takes Willow to the soldiers so she can heal the soldiers that she hurt, which is classic Buffy. She doesn't want to hurt humans. But on the way there, she runs into something. We didn't mention this, but in her like dream space situation with Ethan, she saw him in like a box made of X's. Three of them, which in Roman numerals is 30. And when she's in this space, she comes across room 30 and remembers it and puts it together that Ethan's probably in there. She opens the door, but he's recently shot in the head. And then the army dude with the symbol on his chest. He's the one who did it. And he's like, he's the only one that could have helped you. Ethan. Yeah. This guy is hell bent on stopping Buffy. And he's the one that's got the symbol on his chest that is like working the military up to stop her. Ethan had mentioned... Like, when he was in the dream, that, like, he was in the same space as Amy, so he got, like, attached to her, and that's why he was, like, part of the dream. I guess that makes sense, because he's, like, locked up where Amy is. I don't know how they got him, though, because didn't the initiative take him? I guess the initiative is the government, so they must have Ethan somehow. Yeah, I mean, he gets captured by the initiative in season four. This army dude goes on, like, a long tirade explaining that he's, like, trying to keep Buffy from creating a master race and she's going to be stopped. He just like lays it all out. I think this is where they label it Twilight. Yeah. So that's sort of the first story. And it's like Buffy coming home because she like has to come near Sunnydale to do this. And also Willow comes home. So it's a lot of coming home. Issue number five is called The Chain. And it's sort of a standalone episode that sort of like jumps around in time in its narrative, explaining the current events and backstory of one of Buffy's doubles, like how she came to be a Slayer, where she's at now, and just kind of her thoughts on Slayerness in general. It also sort of explains the idea of the chain, yeah, which I guess is sort of how new Slayers have it explained to them that they're all sort of connected. And I think they indicate that like they sort of feel what other Slayers have felt and they have like shared nightmares almost. This is something that happened in the Buffy movie. But they never really explored in the show because she would have memories of previous slayers as if she were them. Yeah. But in the show, they're just like, oh, she has like wacky prophetic nightmares. But in the movie, it was like, no, she's like legitimately having these memories. 
Yeah, this whole concept is really interesting because the fact that they're all like connected is something that I think they could have explored more when Willow awakened everyone. Because in the beginning of season seven, Willow's in England with Giles and she's like, you know, struggling to be a good girl. But she's got this like feeling that everything's connected. And we don't really know what that means yet. And they they don't ever really go back to that. I, I think she just means like good, evil. There's a balance. That's how that could be explained. But like, it would have been cool to call back to that and like reference it, meaning like the slayers and like all this power is connected and I'm the one that's going to connect it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. That being said, this episode's kind of cool. Yeah, this is like you said, a standalone about one of Buffy's body doubles. It opens with like a monster holding up Buffy saying Buffy Summers is dead. But then we sort of get like a flashback from this body doubles perspective. It was very reminiscent of Into the Spider-Verse introducing the characters like I'm the only Buffy. Oh, sure. So we know she dies, but then we like in her words hear how she got here. And it's sort of just a sad tale about how she became a slayer and was essentially recruited to be a Buffy lookalike to go just try to do some like good underground in this like cavern area where demons are, but also like fairies and slime monsters. She interacts with Rona. I think Rona's the one that like sent her on the mission. And there's sort of this question of like, am I being sent because I'm like one of the best and like the only one that can handle this or like because I'm not that great and people just want to forget about me. Right. My expendable. And Rona was like, I don't know, <laughs> like <laughs> make of it what you want. That's just what's happening. There's some weird stuff in this one, though, right? Like she's trying to like unite the fairies that live on like legitimate fairies. She's friends with three little fairies who one has laid eggs in her ears. Yeah, it's there's some weird sexual undertones in this comic. Like, yeah, this Pixie's like, I want you to live because I put these things in your ears. It's don't worry, you'll live through it. Weird. Then she has to like pass this slug test where these slugs go all over her body while she's naked to cover her in slug slime. So that the other slime slugs will let her by. That's but what it's happened, very right? sexual. We rewound it because what does the comic look like? The comic looks like the same thing, but it doesn't have her shuddering like it does in the motion comic. Oh, yeah, she's, so it opens on her with like the slugs tentacles all over her and she's laying down and like moaning. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that in the comic. So I this, don't know. It's still the same shot, but there's no sound effects for it. And he says like now the other slugs will let you pass. The only way you can read it is that it's covering her in a slime and they are fine if they, you know, they'll, she'll be scented like a friend as opposed to a foe, but it's very sexually charged in the comic. It's a motion comic. Yeah, the fairies are like helping her get dressed afterwards. It definitely seems like this guy was like, you can pass, but we must have sex first. Yeah. He says, you pass the test. Whatever. It's, yeah. it's weird. And he's got... It's weird. This voice actor made a choice. He's very like, Welcome <laughs> to my slimy basement. I used to be on Farscape. It's gross. But yeah, she's being sent on this mission because there's a lot of activity underground and like they'll have heard of Buffy, but like, I don't know. They basically just need someone to pretend to be Buffy down there to distract them and like recon sort of what's going on with the underground. She ultimately ends up fighting these things and dying. But as she dies, a bunch of the other slayers come and like finish off these gargoyle monster things. She's like giant looking demons. But she dies happy. She's like, I'm dying and people don't know who I am, but I do. And so she smiles. So it's a death that's like, I don't know. It's like sad because she doesn't even get to die as herself. But she seems to have come to terms with this. So in a lot of ways, she is like Buffy. She's like super selfless. Yeah. 
Like it, it was all for a reason, I guess. Was it? Did she help with anything? As she's dying, a bunch of slayers and the little fairy girls and the slug men are all fighting these demons. So she did form some sort of alliance between the slayers and these like mystical creatures. So ultimately she did do something. Yeah, because she was sort of like sent to repair the underground or to like figure out what's going on with the underground. It is sort of sad and it is sort of standalone, but it was cool. There's also a panel in this comic where Andrew and Vi, Felicia Day's character, are doing like a little commercial for what it's like to become a slayer. Yeah, like uh, like it's it reminds me of like in the movie The Ghostbusters when they do this like super cheesy commercial. It's the same thing. They're but like it's a fifties couple almost. He's like, "Are you feeling super strong? Breaking bunch of glasses." I like that idea that all the slayers living together just constantly, accidentally breaking plates and stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next four is another arc about faith called No Future for You. And I thought this one was good, too. I thought these were cool. Yeah, this was cool. I really like some of the stuff they explored with Faith's character here. So the first one, Faith sort of like narrating using, oh, the places you'll go, which she said is like a book her mother used to read to her. So she's kind of like quoting that throughout. She's in Cleveland. Apparently that's the place she would go. It makes sense. There is a hell mouth there. Her and Principal Wood, it seems like, did get together but have broken up because he gives her a call to ask for her help with... A vampire situation, they found a vampire nest, but one of the vampires they took care of was like a single mother who had kids before she turned, so he like wants Faith to go see what that's about. And I don't know what he thought, like if he thought they were going to be just happy children that she was going to adopt, but they're vampires, so she's got to murder all these children. But it's kind of implied that that's like what she's good for. Like she'll do the dirty stuff that no one else wants to do. Yes, and I feel like it's a bit of a misdirect. They try to make you think that maybe she's rescuing these kids, but that's not the case when she gets there. Yeah, it was like he made it sound like maybe they wouldn't be dead, and they don't seem like they're vampires when she first gets there. She's like trying to comfort them, but they are like, ha-ha, we tricked you. Then she's contacted by Giles. Contacted, meaning he broke into her apartment in his weird yellow submarine sweater and is drinking her tea. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's wearing a sweater with the, I think it's the yellow submarine, like wrapped around one side of his torso. It's yeah. really weird. He's like, you have a great selection of chamomile. She's like, you mean those smelly bags I put under my eyes from my dark circles? He's like, oh, sure, yes. Well, he's trying to recruit her for some like dark ops. He's like, listen... I know you've been trying to buy fake passports because you're, you know, technically on the run still for murder. But the Watchers Council, a.k.a. it's just me, baby. I'm the Watchers Council now. (laughs) I will give you a passport wherever you want to go and, like, an allowance you can have for the rest of your life and you can retire. But I need you to kill somebody. We find out that there's a rogue slayer, a slayer who's bad news bears. And she's, like, very high society, highfalutin. And he needs her to go in under like a false disguise of being one of these, what would you call them? Like just princess-like women? Debutantes. Like, there you go. Like in Gilmore Girls when they all get in dresses and go to a fancy thing. Yeah. He's like, you got to go in there undercover. I'll teach you how to be British and fancy. You go in and then you kill this woman. You could do it because I know you're a killer. He doesn't actually say that, but uh, I mean, we've set up, she'll do the dirty work. There's a funny line here when he's popped up in her apartment. She says, I haven't clocked you since the Sunny D went from being an Audi to an Innie. <laughs> yeah, that one's funny. It's a crater. She's written really well, too. Yeah. There's actually a couple lines, because one of the running jokes in the show is that Faith is just not super smart. And 
there's a part where someone asks her to bum a fag. And she's like, you could do whatever you... Oh, yeah, cigarette. Yeah. Because they're British. Yeah. He also tells her he'll need her to be cunning. And she thinks he means cunnilingus. And she's like, I'm not going down on this girl. She's like, okay, no, no, no. So she reluctantly agrees to do this. And she also notices his dark mark from the Dark Age. I forget that's what demon that's what I wrote. For. I wrote down dark mark. Yeah, that's dark a mark. Harry Potter thing. but Is uh, Acolyte of Voldemort. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I got a pass too. Let's do this. So she agrees to do it. Yeah, this like lets us know that not all slayers are up to good. Like, yes, there's this one that we're going to meet in this episode, but it, it seems like maybe there's others that are rogue. Yeah. And we do get a glimpse of this woman before the job. And she is doing like uh, fox hunting, like, you know, like really rich, fancy people do on a horse. They go and hunt a fox. But the fox she's hunting isn't a fox. It's a human. And she's maybe done this before. And this one's a slayer, though. They went and grabbed a slayer, and she kills her anyway. So this woman is, like, a sociopath at the very least, probably for sure a psychopath. And she kills this woman, doesn't feel bad about it at all. In fact, thinks everyone's beneath her. Her name is Lady Genevieve, or Gigi. Yeah, this is Gigi. This is what happens to uh, Chris's (laughs) daughter. Eventually grows up to be this woman. And she's also got, like, a little male friend that's, like, sort of her watcher, but he's, like, this magical man. Yeah, he's a warlock. He's Irish. It's unclear who's like the boss here because it does seem like he's sort of manipulating her a bit. Yeah, she seems to think their partners are just like really good pals. But Faith later seems to make the connection that this guy's got uh, some plans for her, sort of like the mayor did for her. He also has like a magic book with the twilight symbol on it. So Mm -hmm. and then they get like two giant gargoyle stone creatures to hide this slayer's body. Yeah, Rodin has some gargoyles at his disposal. He could just summon whenever he wants. Giles is also just like friends with random demons. He's like always chatting with like creatures. Yeah. I don't remember which episode it was. I think we skipped it already. But yeah, there's one where he's just like underground with a dude being like, hey, maybe we should be friends. Tell each other info. But yeah, Giles is now teaching Faith how to be a fancy rich lady so she can infiltrate this party. He at some point like touches her very innocently, but it like triggers some PTSD. She just like stabs him in the arm with a fork. It's actually pretty funny because she feels bad about it. And then you feel like she's it's going to be that moment in the show where she's like, that was a salad fork I stabbed you with. Right. Kind of like, okay, I did a bad thing, but like I'm learning. And he's like, no, it's not. (laughs) It's very funny to me. This is where she finds the dark mark when she's seeing him bleed from the fork wound. Buffy goes to see Xander, who's while he's working out. And acting like Snake Plissken. Yeah. Who's another one-eyed cool guy. He makes a lot of one-eyed mm-hmm. character references. It's pretty funny. Like Captain Ron and stuff. That's funny. Both were played by the same guy. Oh, he's very buff now. But somehow still embarrassed that Buffy caught him exercising. I think because he was like role-playing as well. Yeah. And he's like embarrassed that he's maybe getting in shape for this girl. But Buffy can't sleep. She's preoccupied with trying to figure out what the symbol means. What the impending Twilight coming means. For better or worse, I got to say, Xander is still casually dropping that he thinks Buffy's super hot and wants a banger. Mm-hmm. It's just like Joss is like, that's got to stay. Okay, <laughs> we can do whatever we want. We're going to add dragons, whatever. But Xander has to be inappropriate at every moment. Buffy also mentions she's having a recurring nightmare about a lion pouncing on her, saying the queen is dead. But then we also see the lion saying, long live the queen. Yeah, it's confusing. Maybe that'll make sense later. Cut to weeks later, Faith's etiquette trained enough, so she's going in. She comes out in a fancy dress, asks Giles how she looks, and he pulls down his glasses and says, five by five, 
No, it, it does. I didn't read it sexually, but I feel like the animated version made it seem like. Five by five was sexual? I didn't know. Yeah. That. The next one starts with Faith remembering the fight where Buffy stabbed her, causing her to eventually go into a coma. Faith sort of is mulling over the idea that, like, people hurt her, so she hurts them back. But then, like, maybe things like, maybe that's actually the opposite. She hurts somebody, and then they're hurting her back. So Faith is, like, maybe understanding that Buffy's aggression and, like, the wrongs Buffy did to Faith were reactions to stuff that she did. I don't know if she's totally ready to take the blame for all that, but I think she's at least considering that that could be the case. Mm. So she gets to this gala where she's going to kill this rogue slayer. She's got knives hidden in her bun. As That's like in her hair. Hair accessory. Warlock dude is somehow watching her. He's very suspicious. But she's able to get in by like faking being like better than everybody else. Like she's like a like a princess. And she's like, how could you dare like ask me for my invitation commoner? And they're like, oh, it's one of these again. She's definitely invited. She gets in and she fairly quickly while she's outside getting a smoke, like uh, hits it up with Guinevere. And they're like having a conversation and getting along. Her name's not Guinevere, it's Genevieve. Guinevere. Gigi. It's yeah. Gigi. Just say Gigi. And they're getting along and like they're bonding over like Amy Winehouse and then just like out of the blue, Rodin sends his gargoyles in to like grab Faith and like just fly her away into the sky. He could tell that something's off on her. So then Faith just starts like killing these gargoyles pretty badassly. They're made of stone, so it's not easy. She like punches one and she's like, fuck, ow. It's like unclear how, but she does, no problem. But the scene is so funny because she's being like as proper as she can with Gigi and then she gets grabbed by these gargoyles and she's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> she says that. I think they bleep it. But yeah, they do. So in both. Like, they like censor it in the comics. Fuck? But Guinevere, Guinevere, Gigi, whatever, she- Gargoyle. Gargoyle lady. She still hasn't put together that Faith is trying to trick her and thinks that she just happens to be a slayer. That's why they were getting some mojo off of her. And thought she was awesome in the way she fought those gargoyles. We should mention that when she's like, what's your name? Faith just said her name was Hope, which is kind of a fun wink to mm -hmm. us. You remember she was introduced in Faith, Hope, and Trick? Oh, because Scott Hope. But also Faith and Hope are sort of hand in hand. Yes. Uh, and then we see Faith coming to, and this woman's all like, no, she's going to be like my right-hand lady. We're going to rule the world together. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, she's mad that her warlock friend tried to have Faith killed because she likes her. Oh, we didn't mention after she like takes out the last gargoyle, she passes out unconscious because it was pretty intense. Yeah, so she's like coming to, she overhears all this. Gigi's mad that her warlock friend like tried to have Faith killed because she likes her and wants them to be a team in her efforts to try to kill Buffy and rule the world herself. Yeah, she wakes Faith up and she's like, yeah, I want to be the one that runs the world. We got to get rid of this Buffy person. How do you feel about that? And part of Faith is probably like, well, I kind of like that idea deep down, honestly. Mm -hmm. But new Faith isn't going to let that happen. But yeah, uh-oh. Turns out this girl's got like a whole vision board about killing Buffy in her bedroom. Yeah. We skipped some stuff regarding Willow and Dawn. Willow's trying to get info from Giant Dawn so she can maybe try to figure out how to undo her giantness. Willow also mentions that Dawn stinks because she keeps wearing the same clothes. She just took a bath for one, but also but she how- didn't wash her clothes. How did her clothes get giant? Was she wearing jeans and a hoodie when she fucked this dude? <laughs> Maybe it's delayed, the spell? I'm guessing it was delayed. And Dawn also says she trusted this guy because he was the only guy that didn't treat her like she was a walking pair of boobs. And Willow's like, oh, sweetie, boys are into you because of your legs, not those itty-bitty boobies. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. So the next one starts, you know, this girl's continuing to share her plan with Faith or Hope. 
to overthrow Buffy and like unbrainwash all these other slayers that Buffy's working with. Giles is like trying to radio Faith. He's like, hey, I'm at the rendezvous spot. Where are you? But like right before she went to the party, she threw like her earpiece into the bushes. So she was like, bye, Giles. I'm not dealing with you today. Yeah. And she's it sort of it makes sense for Faith because she was getting annoyed with him or whatever. And she later is like, I, you know, anyone that tries to help me, I like abandon them immediately so I don't get abandoned or whatever. But I felt like for this, you probably needed him for just like English slaying and shit. Yeah. What is this? cookie called (laughs) it's called a biscuit here (laughs) yeah because they say that she's like doing the accent okay she kind of isn't but they say that she hasn't really like retained any of the etiquette stuff but she's barely at the party so whatever giles has like hired some dwarf to help if things get bad i guess well he's trying to like open this like there's like a magical dome over this woman's like castle or whatever she's in and so he can't just get in which is one of the reasons he had to send faith in but he's got some dwarf, yeah, that he hired. They don't call him a dwarf, but he's got dwarf energy. He looks like a small troll. Yeah. But he's got a hammer. I don't He puts the seed in Giles' head that maybe Faith has jumped ship. And Giles is like, uh-huh. Meanwhile, Faith and Gigi, you know, are just taking a bath together like you do with a platonic friend you just met. Girl stuff. I mean, this is like what Xander imagines. You know, girls, when we all just take baths with our friends, we've all You mean done the that. friends you just met? Yeah, you wouldn't do it with a, your best friend, let alone some girl you just met at a party. If Faith were bi, I would, like, maybe buy this. But, like, they set up that Faith's not into women. Like, they already did that in, like, the last comic. It's a little unclear to me why this woman is just, like, so enamored with Faith. I guess she did watch Faith take out these two gargoyles right in front of her, and that was pretty badass. But she's automatically like, we're best buddies. Let's take a bath together. And Faith, who was like, I will never go down on a girl, is like, but I will do some hot tub time with a girl. I guess she'd maybe playing up that she is. I feel like this woman has got like, a, I fuck my friends energy. If it was someone very high status, like if I met Tina Fey and she was like, I'd love to talk about that more. Let's take a bath together. I, I, well, I mean, this woman's super high status, honey. I know. But like, I don't know that I would take a bath with Tina Fey. <laughs> <laughs> Natina Fey is notorious for inviting women to take baths with her. It's almost to the point where it's like, you got to ask her to stop. And Willow knows about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's very funny. More on that that later. Yeah, so they're taking a bath. Faith is telling Gigi not to kill Buffy and pitches the idea here that maybe Rodin's up to no good. He could just be like using her, lying for some other purpose. Willow, meanwhile, is like working on a security system for the castle. Like, use an actual tech Willow stuff. Seems like she's doing a little tech magic combo, though. Willow in the scene also says that she got this, like, thing up and running with new Linux software. Okay, yeah. The motion comic, the voice actors, it's like they've, no one went back and was like, you just said this line wrong. Linux is nothing. It's Linux. I don't blame everyone for not knowing what Linux is. But, like, did no one pay attention to the edit? Did Joss not watch this before it was released? I actually don't know how much he had to do with the motion comics, but probably some. And that was just, like, such an obvious, like... He should have called this actress and been like, come back in. You need to record that line. Do it on your phone. We need something to put in there. (laughs) This is, like, a a name of a real product you're just saying wrong. (laughs) It's like if someone was talking about, like, an iPhone. They were like, oh, an iPhone, you know? It's your new (laughs) iPhone. An iPhone 7. Can you get me an ice cold Pepsi? Does anyone have any Coke? It's like a Coca-Cola. It's fine. Keep it in. Best voice acting ever for $4. She's pretty good for an (laughs) 8-year-old. I love this 8-year-old Willow actress. 
you mentioned this earlier, but I think this is where they're like worrying about whether or not Buffy's going to have to kill humans. Sure, yeah. Since these military dudes seem like bad news bears. And she's so like, I don't know how I feel about that. I guess we'll deal with it when we cross that bridge. And then disappears because she gets teleported to Gigi's residence by Rodin. It's pretty funny because she throws up. And they set that up in season six when Willow teleported Buffy and she threw up. Yeah. So Gigi immediately starts fighting Buffy. Buffy finds out this one's killed of the Slayers. She doesn't like that. And Gigi has set up that she's, like, studied Buffy's fighting style. She's all like, Buffy's pretty good, but she's got weaknesses. She gets a kick or two in and Buffy. But then Buffy pretty quickly overpowers the lady. I actually kind of like the fight scene. Buffy's like, nah, I'm awesome. And it's, like, got the sword on top of her. Like, she's going to kill her or at least, like, you know, tell her to stop. And this is when Faith starts running into the battle and says, Buffy. Buffy says, Faith. And then Gigi's like, Faith, what? And Faith knocks Buffy out of the window. Now, this is confusing when you read it the first time and when we watched it in the motion comic because it seems like Faith is like trying to protect this woman or trying to just take out Buffy, but it isn't clear. But rewatching it and rereading the comic, we do see that Rodin, as Buffy's attacking Gigi, Rodin is doing some sort of like spell with his hand. So I think Faith is either trying to rescue Buffy from whatever the spell is about to be. Or she doesn't want Buffy to kill somebody because that would then define Buffy. And we just sort of talked about that a little bit. So it could be both. It could be either one, but it isn't super clear. Buffy didn't know either of those. They go flying out a window into a pool. The shallow end. Yeah. And then just start fighting. Buffy obviously has interpreted this as Faith being evil. Faith's trying to tell her like, no, Giles sent me. Buffy's like, no way. He'd never trust you. Faith doesn't like this. So she like almost kills Buffy. She just like chokes her under the water, but at the last second changes her mind and just kind of yells at her instead. Which I think is showing us that Faith isn't evil. She like wants to kill Buffy, but doesn't. But like as soon as she lets go, Willow manages to teleport Buffy back after accidentally first teleporting a Norwegian truck driver into Marmosets. Buffy barks again. And then she's like, bring me Giles. We haven't seen Buffy and Giles interact. And it's a little unclear if they're not on good speaking terms now, because later they say they're not, but there's also like a literal fight that happens between now and then. But I, I kind of get the impression that they're not like great at this point. Yeah. And if you guys remember in season seven, it was sort of unclear where they left off because they had a big, big fight. And then a couple episodes later, Buffy asked his advice for something, even though, you know, he betrayed her earlier. But it's not totally like a reconciliation. So it's unclear where they are right now. And, and in season seven, Buffy is sort of like, I'll put up with whoever because I need you on my team right now. So it's unclear what their relationship is when this starts. Faith, of course, is left alone, upset in the pool. And Gigi comes over with like a big weapon ready to kill her. She's pissed that Faith let Buffy get away. And it seems like she's going to kill her. She's all like, what about our bubble bath? <laughs> the next one kind of picks up where that left off. Faith and Genevieve fight. I think it's this scene where they sort of talk about the idea of like nightmares and that all the slayers sort of have the nightmares of the other slayers. Right. And I think that Genevieve sort of wants to like purge the chain of people like Faith that have like all these bad experiences. Right. Well, I got the impression that she wants to she's been told by Rodin that if she kills Buffy, the nightmares will stop. And that's what she wants. But why? Because Buffy has all this, like, pain and experience that's, like, contributing to this hive mind. Well, she says, your blood is my birthright, and as soon as I've wrung the last drop out of your kind, my nightmares are going to end. I, I don't know what that means, though. 
Yeah, like what does her kind mean? Like old slayers that have done more? I think it's just anyone she thinks is like below her blood-wise. Like poor people? Yeah. Hmm. I kind of alluded to this earlier, but the beginning of this issue starts with a flashback to Faith with the mayor and how she talks about how kind he was to her and how he made her feel really special and loved and how it was him manipulating her, maybe, but it didn't feel like it. And now she can maybe see a similarity between Rodin and Gigi. Yeah. And how she could maybe understand how someone like Gigi could be confused and manipulated by someone like this without realizing it. And so she tries to appeal to Gigi during this fight, like, hey, this guy Rodin is, like, maybe manipulating you, and, like, maybe he wants you to kill Buffy for reasons other than you deserve it because you're some rich noble girl. She she's like, no, no, nah, nah, he's my best bud. We're friends. Don't worry about that book he's carrying. I'm sure it's fine. Faith and Gigi fight. It's pretty cool. I like the fight. She's like, you're not even English. What accent is this, New York? And Faith's like, oh, my God, it's gross. No, I'm from Boston. <laughs> they fight for a while. The whole time, Faith, again, is trying to convince her to give this up. I think Faith wants to redeem her because she's like, I've been in your place. You're redeemable. Giles is like dwarf friend. is essentially just like, nah, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm out of here. Then Giles gets a call from Willow that's actually Buffy. So he answers. You know how that is when someone will call from a different phone, so you answer. Yeah, this is where we find out that Buffy and Giles are, like, definitely not good. Because she's like, what are you doing? Like, working with Faith behind my back. He's just like, oh, my God, this woman. He's all like, listen, Buffy, I don't want to tell you about this. I don't want you involved in this at all. You're a precious little angel made of white light, and I don't want to sell you with innocent blood. He doesn't say that, but that's the idea. And so she's like, fine, whatever, gives the phone to Willow, and Willow helps him break down the shield. We don't see it, but that's what's implied. Faith and Gigi are still fighting. Eventually, Faith, like, accidentally kicks Gigi into, like, an axe that is stuck in a tree. She, like, tries to stop it as she's midair, but it's too late, and she gets, like, impaled by this axe. Faith's like, uh-oh, did not mean to kill anybody again. But she dies, and Rodin's like, yeah, I don't care. I want you now, baby. I just wanted, like, a really awesome Slayer. We find out everything that Faith had been trying to warn Gigi about Rodin is true. He was just looking for a really badass Slayer to manipulate because that's what Twilight wants. He, like, calls her, like, gross and old at some point, though. Yeah, I mean, I think the implication, though, is that Slayers tend to not live very long at all. So she's, like, long in the tooth for a Slayer. He's, like, trying to nag her, maybe. Something about they're better when they're young and fresh and she's starting to sag a bit. I'm like, she's like 25, dude. She's not like, (laughs) she's not sagging yet. Uh, This is just Joss typing out his little diary. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. He didn't write this one. Rodin like does this big speech to Faith. And meanwhile, while he's got her in like a fist of like rock and stuff in a spell, Giles just casually strolls up behind him and stabs him in the back with some gardening shears. Yeah. The scene is kind of cool, though, because they're fighting. Giles stabs him in the back. And Rodin's got this, like, book from Twilight that's got, like, Twilight's wishes or spells in it or whatever. The Twilight in this story, it's not. He's not just reading the novel Twilight. (laughs) He's just got one of the books. Uh, And then Bella, sorry. Then Faith throws this book to Giles. She's like, think fast, grab a rando spell from inside and use it. Which I thought was like, okay, what? How much time does Giles have to read this little book? She chucks to him. Oh, yeah. And then he puts like a... He puts a spell like inside of him and then makes it explode. It's pretty badass dark Giles stuff. 
Yeah, it's like a mystic field. And the dude's like, what are you doing? I can break out of any mystic field. And Giles is like, I know. That's why I put one inside of you. And he just starts like boiling from within. Yeah. Then he says, burst. His head explodes. Yeah. It's crazy. I love Dark Giles. Dark Giles is fucking the best. Afterwards, the next day or so, Giles is like, well done, Faith. Here's your passport. You can go wherever you want. You can retire. Faith is like, you know what? Maybe I'm going to mentor young slayers or mentor wayward slayers. So that maybe there'll be fewer of who I used to be out there and I can like save some girls. By the way, she is wearing a shirt with one of those little devils that was watching Buffy's sex dream on it. <laughs> it's got Interesting. Just, like a little red child devil on it. Faith was all like, by the way, Dark Giles is badass. He's like, yeah, Dark Giles is. Dark Giles has been around. He shows up sometimes. I don't like yeah. bringing it up to Buffy. Sometimes I kill people. Somebody's got to do it. No big deal. I've done it before. AKA Ben. Probably other people. And this is where he says Buffy and I aren't on speaking terms. And I think we have enough information to assume they weren't on speaking terms since Buffy called from Willow's phone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He maybe wouldn't have answered if it was Buffy. Or, but why wouldn't Buffy just call from her own phone anyway? Like, there's no narrative reason that she would have to use Willow's unless she was trying to fool Giles. Yeah. But then he's also like, we could be two dark uh, Avengers, essentially. Like peacekeepers together, yeah. You're looking for a new dad, I'm looking for a new daughter, and we're both not that evil. But sometimes we are, and that's cool. That's cool that they've come this far, because like he really didn't trust her. And Buffy was like trying to tell her he doesn't, but they're they're pals now. I feel like that's that's cool. I kind of like her and Wesley too. Yeah, I will keep watching slash reading this until Buffy and Giles are good though. If that doesn't happen, we're gonna have to write our own or something. Because like, okay, I'll animate it. It won't be great looking, <laughs> but. Like, they're, they're going to fix them, right? They didn't get canceled before they resolve this? I don't know. I mean, there's plenty of seasons. I think there's like 12 seasons total. So I think there are enough seasons for them to resolve this and have them fight again and then resolve it again. And then we get like one last scene with this random woman who's just gone to meet Twilight himself, who's just like a floating Marvel supervillain. Yeah, Twilight is just like, he's just got like skin tight outfit on with like a mask over his face that's like, that mask wouldn't be there if you weren't somebody we knew. Yeah. Like, you're definitely hiding something from us. He's just, like, floating in some mysterious plane. We have two more left we want to talk about that are both standalone-ish, but I just want to comment that I feel like the Faith arc and the Long Way Home arc were both good. I enjoyed yeah. them. They're both well-written. I laughed a lot, so I would check them out. I think it's worth reading. And there's, like, ongoing stuff within all of them, like, just because they're sort of contained stories. Like, they're still referencing Dawn and, like, the stuff with Willow and... Giles. It's almost more satisfying than the show arc-wise because it's like these little arcs where I feel like the show generally would do maybe four arcs per season. I guess maybe it's similar. So issue number 10 is called Anywhere But Here. It's kind of weird. Willow and Buffy go on like a little quest to try to learn more about Twilight, but it's like kind of all inside this like witch's head. First of all, the two of them are like flying there on Willow's back in her like teleportation stream. I don't know playing this game where they like share their fantasies with each other. I feel like it's not super clear that that's even what's happening once they do it. Buffy's got like a fantasy about Daniel Craig. This is where we find out Willow's got one about Tina Fey. I feel like the fantasies are funny though. Uh-huh. The comic just starts with Buffy on the beach and someone's like, hey, uh, can I put some lotion on you? And she's like, if you're not Daniel Craig, I don't want to talk to you. And she's, he's like, well, luckily I am. <laughs> and she's like, what? wake up and we take ourselves out of that silly reality to have Buffy hanging onto Willow like Willow's Superman flying her around. 
we don't have the rights to Sarah Michelle Gellar's face, but we do have Daniel Craig. <laughs> yeah, I think like him. because it's parody, they can do it because it's clearly a joke. But they're flying to go see some demon that like lives outside of time or some shit. But so. he's like guarded by this witch who, I forget what they call her, like a minder. Yeah. And they're going to him for more information about Twilight. And Willow's like, I can't teleport there for some reason. So we got to fly there. And it's going to take some time. So while we do this, we're going to play a game called Anywhere But Here. What's some like cool places you would, if you could be anywhere else, where would you be? Again, not super clear from the reading, but that's what they're doing. Yeah, and then we get one from Willow where she's like hook it up with Tina Fey in this like cold cabin to keep warm. <laughs> Very funny. Meanwhile, back at the castle, which I don't know if we even mentioned it. Yeah, they like all live in a castle in Scotland. Yeah, and we should mention that they have a ton of money, clearly, but it's never been expressly told to us who's giving them money. But Xander has found a way with the other witches they have to make Dawn's clothes giant they can't ungiantify dawn yet but they can make her clothes giant they made like a whole trunk of her clothes big then we get a bunch of silly jokes of xander like falling into this trunk and then like maybe touching her underwear and feeling weird about it but like he was straight up like sniffing it yeah and then he's like oh this is underwear and i'm like dude you what do you think was gonna happen man also you love this it wasn't underwear but yeah it, it was weird that we thought it was underwear for a while Honestly, this whole bit's a little weird with Dawn and him. She starts to, like, confide in him more so than she even did Willow. Willow needs to know exactly what happened so she can undo the spell. And Xander gets her to confess that she didn't actually sleep with this guy, Kenny, who was the thrice-wise. She actually slept with Kenny's roommate. She was at a party, and she, like, made a bad decision and slept with this guy. And she's super embarrassed about it because she didn't even sleep with the guy everyone thinks she slept with. She did a sluttier thing. In her eyes. And she slept with this other random guy. To be fair, the other guy could have been a thrice wise. And Kenny sure. is not. Yeah. We don't We don't know. But she feels so guilty about this. And then Xander's all like, uh, you should look up uh, Parker from season four above. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your sister's done some stuff. Yeah, she slept with uh, some pretty loser guy. But Xander's all excited that he got to be the one who got her to confess what happened. So Willow and Buffy are at this cabin. Again, there's this woman who's called like a minder who sort of like lets them know what's up. It's weird because her name is Robin, which is just like odd that they reused a character name because there is yeah. a Robin. So yeah, they go in. There's a monster. I don't know. This one was a little hard to follow. Well, they set up that the space they're going to is sort of like unstable reality. And this demon maybe like somehow can like live outside of time in a sense and like sees all time. And this minder is chosen, like Buffy, she's not a slayer, to like somehow use her mind and psychic ability to like keep this pocket of unstable reality like from exploding. And she says hi to Willow when she shows up, and Buffy's like, you said you didn't meet her, and she's like, yeah, but I will meet her, it's complicated. It kind of reminded me of Arrival, where those aliens kind of see all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you can be taught something five years from now and know it now, as long as you are still taught it from five years from now. We also have another fantasy from Buffy where she's like trying to decide which version of Christian Bale she wants to be with. <laughs> but then they meet this demon and he is not excited to see them. He's doing a lot of spitting. He shows them like a real memory that Buffy is maybe like blocking out a little or like lying about. But at some point her and a bunch of slayers like robbed a Swiss bank and that's how they have all this money. Yeah. And they hadn't told Willow this. So Willow's all like, it's awful that you did that. Buffy's all like, it's for the greater good. 
then we get to see some scenes of like Willow hooking up with some sort of like snake lady. And Buffy's all like, that's way worse. It was actually pretty funny. She's like, let's see one of your bad things. It's like, oh, that's way worse than yeah. my bad thing. But then we also see some future memory. This isn't clear how many of these are from the future, how many are from the past. But we see some future memory. We know it's future because it hasn't happened yet. Where Buffy is betrayed by someone very close to her, someone that she really trusts. And it's not clear who that's going to be. And Willow says, it's not going to be me, I promise. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's what you would say if you were going to betray somebody. Buffy this whole time is trying to get like the goss about how Willow's doing with Kennedy because she's been a little hush hush. Right, about we should have mentioned that before they get there. She's like, "Where's Kennedy? How come you never see her?" I like Kennedy. She's trying to be like, "I like Kennedy. You could bring Kennedy over." I know everyone who watched season seven seems to hate her, but I like her. And then we find out that Willow's having these feelings, like you know, I made a choice to like bring Buffy back from the dead, which like kind of ended up being real bad for Tara. Like every choice I made when I was with Tara. That was pro-Buffy, only made things worse for me and Tara, and she ultimately died because of my friendship with Buffy. So now she's like a little hesitant to shit where she eats <laughs> or yeah. like mix business with pleasure. So she's sort of keeping Kennedy from Buffy so that doesn't happen again because things are going good with Kennedy, even though Kennedy did mystically die briefly, but everyone seems to think that wasn't a big deal. Yeah, they keep alluding that she died for a little bit, but it wasn't that big a deal. It's just a little bitty death. Even Kennedy says that. There's like a flashback where she's talking to Kennedy. I think we're going to see what happened to Kennedy that like killed her at some point. I feel like that's too big an offer. This demon's all like Buffy's going to usher in a new world where there's like no demons and stuff. It was like, wait, what? Huh? And Buffy gets mad at this dude and just kills him with Willow's help. They leave. They're like, bye, Robin number two. But, you know, it just kind of ends with like weird vibes between Willow and Buffy because Willow doesn't love that Buffy robbed this bank. I think Buffy feels a little weird about Willow hiding Kennedy from her. They're not as close as they once were. Yeah, and it shows them kind of walking the same direction, but like slightly apart. So it seems like, yeah, there's a rift. Okay, the last one we read slash watched this week is called A Beautiful Sunset. Could be called Slayer with a Gun. <laughs> yeah. It starts off with Buffy remembering what she did, how she like gave all the Slayer women this power and how ultimately that was like really good. But then we see Buffy watching on a security feed. The Slayer, who earlier was demanding that she get a gun. She doesn't understand why Slayers can't have guns. Buffy's watching security camera footage of her stealing a bunch of guns and ammo with some other Slayers. And they've, like, beat up and knocked out some security guards. Where's Andrew? Yeah, that was Andrew. At least two of these girls were with Andrew, and it's not clear where the other one came from. Meanwhile, Dawn's having a party. Yeah, there's a big party for all the Slayers. It's pretty funny because Dawn is just like, there's like girls just sitting and dancing on Dawn. <laughs> yeah, she's like lying on the ground and they're all just like on top of her. Buffy's like, is she getting drunk? Yeah, Xander's like, there's just not enough alcohol to do that. Oh my God. I don't know that I got this in the motion comic, but I'm looking at the drawn one right now. Yeah. She's drinking straight from a keg. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. She's just kind of like popped open like it's a can. Buffy sees him having a good time. She's not having a good time. But Xander's like, hey, I was going to save this, but we found a little vampire nest. If you want to go kill some vampires, we know you love it. You should bring a friend. So she brings Satsu and the weapon from season seven. It's pretty cool. Satsu is not as graceful as her. And Buffy's like kind of being hard on her, but also informative. And like, I don't know. She's just being like trying to train her. But Buffy is pissed because Satsu's in love with her. She's like, you can't do that. Everyone who falls in love with me dies or leaves. So just like, don't. Like, I like when people love me. It's great. But like, you're going to get hurt in some way. So how about just shut that shit down right now? It's actually very funny because they're just like casually, half-heartedly just 
destroying and dismembering these zombies while they're having this talk about how she's in love with her. You said zombies? Did you mean vampires? I did mean vampires. Sorry, they're killing vampires. But these vampires are all like, I'm going to kill your blood will be. And they're just like not even paying attention to what they're saying at all. (laughs) Yeah. Cutting their heads off and stuff. We should also mention, I mean, we just brought up that they have money now, but like Buffy in general is like wearing more like military or like armor kind of gear all the time. Mm -hmm. Just a bit more protected. It's very interesting because I feel like the show was like, she's got to be dressed like in whatever's fashionable. But the comics are like, no, we we don't have to do that. Right. Because even when Buffy was in the initiative, she wasn't wearing any of that shit. She's like showing up to initiative, private ops, wet work stuff, wearing a fucking sundress. But then Buffy just starts, like, sharing all of her feelings with Hatsu about, like, you know, how all these people she loves goes to hell dimensions or die or whatever. Or have to leave. Then, then Superman fucking shows up. <laughs> Twilight, the Marvel villain, or DC if you're Superman. See, I know things. He's like, oh, there she is, always crying. This dude just goes full glory on Buffy and Satsu and just, like, breaks Satsu's sword and just throws her across the graveyard and just whoops the shit out of Buffy. That's not fair. He gets a lot of really good hits in on Buffy, but then Buffy does pretty well, gets behind him with the scythe and, like, is about to cut his head off, but he's able to knock her off. Then he picks up, like, a whole church, and it's so funny. He, like, rips off a steeple of a church, and she's like, go ahead, church me. (laughs) (laughs) They're fighting, and he's like, I actually came here to talk to you about something, but then I saw you being such, like, a a self-pitying little girl that I couldn't help but, like, punch you. She eventually realizes that it's Twilight. We knew that because we've seen it before, but she hasn't. She sees the symbol like in his chest. He's all like, listen, I'm going to kill you last. He's got a bit of a hairy chest. Is that a clue? Yeah, he does. He does. He says, I'm not going to kill you now. My first gift is my last. I don't know what the fuck that means. Death is your gift. But he's not going to kill her now. He's going to kill her later. And so he gets out of there. And she goes over to Satsu, who's like super broken up about how she like failed Buffy. Like she just got beat up so quickly. She's like, don't worry about it. It's all cool. He goes back to his Twilight friends. It's just a hodgepodge of a bunch of demons and like the two military people. Yeah. And this is super There's like funny. six of them. He shows up and starts to take the mask off. So we're like, oh, we're going to get the reveal. It's like there's like two panels left. It's who is it? And then he just like itches his neck and he's like, oh, got an itchy neck and then pulls it back down. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a fake I? out. So it's obviously someone we know. Oh, yeah. It's got to be. But- when he's talking to his group of six random friends, he says that his goal here is to strip Buffy of her greatest armor, which is her moral certainty. I thought that was kind of cool because, like, that is her biggest thing. Like, Buffy's whole thing is that she, like, won't kill humans, but now she's, like, starting to wonder if she will. So that is interesting. That he's trying to, like, manipulate her from the inside. Yeah. I just want to know who he is because so far he seems like a cartoon villain. We know he's a character with a neck. That much we know. So it's not worn. <laughs> the only thing that crosses my mind is Riley. I know there's an issue like dedicated to Riley. So maybe that one's like a backstory of this. But like who else is alive that would have beef with her? Yeah. Well, I want to know how Riley got superpowers. Yeah. I mean, the initiative, he was almost getting superpowers before. Yeah, that's true. But like Warren came back from the dead. So maybe someone else can. Yeah. Buffy's not big on letting people be dead. It's probably Jesse from episode one of season one. Back at the Buffy castle, Satsu's recovering. She feels bad at what happened. Buffy's all like, don't worry about it. We're both going to heal up. And she like touches her hand and it feels like maybe intimate. Yeah, they do acknowledge that Buffy's straight though. We'll see. Yeah. She like puts her hand on hers, which is sort of 
I don't know. Women do that way more than men. But like, if you know someone's into you, I don't know. You take how a bath I... with them. <laughs> if you like someone at all, you take a bath with them. You'll know I love you if I suds with you. And then Buffy and Xander sort of have a heart to heart where Buffy brings up this idea like. Are we doing any good, actually? Yeah, because we're we're fighting these demons and there's more of us now. But it seems like the more of us there are, the more demons there are. So are, like, are we causing there to be more demons? Which that kind of makes me wonder because they've set they've set up that they have blown off the balance of good and evil by activating all these slayers. And maybe it's some sort of like Matrix Neo Mr. Smith thing where like the balance is trying to balance itself out by making more demons. I don't know that that's true, but maybe. She also says that she doesn't feel the connection anymore. Like all these girls are connected to each other. And Xander's like, well, maybe because you're the leader, like you don't have that. And that's that's interesting because I know just from like our experience in the comedy world, whoever ends up being like the leader of the theater does get sort of isolated because they become the boss. This is such a different thing, but like I've seen that happen where like they were one of the group, but then once they're the leader, it's sort of like, ooh, we're scared of them. Yeah, I mean, they can still be doing jokes and stuff, but it's not the same. You're not in the same social dynamic. Yeah, and I mean, this is more than that. It's like literally some kind of connection, which she doesn't feel, but. So Buffy's sad about being left out again, sort of her deal, and that's the end. So let's talk about it. I think, and I've said this already, it's pretty good, believe it or not. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm actually very sad that the motion comic only has this many. I wish it was the whole season. I would probably finish it pretty quickly. Yeah, I, it's really easy to watch. Like we said, the acting's not great, but like the stories are good. So it's fun to just be able to like sit down and watch Buffy again. Yeah, totally. The comics we have digitally, so it's like they're so small and you've got to like pan and zoom in on the text to read it because the whole panel like isn't really big enough to read without getting real close to your screen. We're not reading it as organically as we might if we had like a physical copy. Yeah. So yeah, just like having it bigger on our TV. Like you said, the artwork is better in the actual comic than in the motion version, but it's just easier that it's like being presented to us. We don't have to do the reading. And it's something we can do together and like talk during and like discuss afterwards. Yeah, like I was reading them, but I got ahead of you and I was like, oh, have you read that one? Yeah, I want to talk about it. You got to see this. Like I was sending you isolated images out of context. I was like, <laughs> yeah, you sent me the Spike Angel Buffy threesome fantasy <laughs> image. Just no context. I was like, OK, what is this? <laughs> but yeah, I, I do miss being able to do it together. So maybe we can like try to read a couple a day and then talk about them or something when we get yeah. to beyond the motion one. I highly recommend it to you guys, though, especially the motion comic. If that's as far as you go, that's fine. Maybe I'll love the later ones, too. I want to tell you about those. But I am really enjoying what I'm watching so far. And if you're a Buffy fan, I can only imagine you would also enjoy it. It's fun to just have more story, even though it's kind of silly over the top. It's sort of different in that way. It's it's just nice to see where these characters go. It's a little fan servicey. For sure. To be it bringing does, back all these people. It reminds me a little bit of Angel Season 5 a little bit in that it's like a very big turn from like we're barely scraping by to like we've got the keys to the kingdom now. We are a little nervous that Angel Season 5 will get ruined for me because I do think Spike and or Angel will maybe show up eventually before we get to the end of Angel. I have no idea. We'll see. If that happens, it's whatever. It's all a matter of months before I figure it out anyway. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Yes. If you want to follow along next week, we'll be going back to Gilmore Girls discussing A Year in the Life, Spring. After that, we'll be going back to the comics. I think we're going to do 12 through 25. I still might change that a little depending on 
how the math works out. Because there's like sort of some weird one-off comics that are like technically part of season eight, but not part of the full yeah. original story. We'll let you know at the end of the next episode how we're going to do that. We'll do another like 10 or 15 of these or so. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the first part of Buffy season eight, if you've seen it. Or if you haven't, what did you think about what we said? Yeah. And we have questions too. Like, how long do you have to know someone before you start bathing with them? How long should you know your friend's sister before you watch her take a bath? (laughs) It's funny because he's a watcher now too. (laughs) Did Lando's outfit ruin the Empire Strikes Back for you? Why is it Andrew watching that girl with a gun? Are we going to get more of Dark Giles? Let us know. Let us know. Well, don't let us know. We don't want it spoiled. Yeah. Well, let us know the first two questions. That last one was just, I want to know what's going to happen in the comics. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on Buffy and Gilmore Girls, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live stream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, Jackie O. Thank you, Jackie O. For more Brian and Stacy content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy, where we hope to post a lot more soon. If you want to support our content, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing by the link found at the bottom of our episode descriptions or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. Which character's got an itchy neck? That's how we'll find out who Twilight is. Ooh, yeah, and a hairy chest. Was anybody hairy? Oz? You seem too tall to be us. He seemed big. Also, that luchador from Angel? The volcanologist that Faith killed? Who knows? Hmm.